Well, uh, happy Father's Day again. Just so grateful for the opportunity to come this morning and worship the living God. I saw several new faces this morning. If, if you're new here today, welcome. Uh, and uh, I hope you know, I hope you see, we're, we're not here to play church. We're not here to check a religious box. We're here to bow our heads and hearts and, and give our very lives to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, Jesus Christ. Let's go to him now in prayer as we prepare to hear from his word. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege of calling you that. Thank you that you taught us, Lord, to call you Father. And um, Lord, we blush, we, we gawk at all that that means for us, here and now and for all eternity. May we, here today at Friendship Community Church, bask in the grace that is ours, because Jesus died and rose again. Now we pray by the power of your matchless spirit, Lord, would you help us? Would you, would you guard us from error and guide us in your truth? We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Well, I'd like to start off this morning with a, with a question. I'm wondering if you can think of any examples of things that serve a dual purpose. Things that serve a dual purpose. So you got one laughing back there already. Um, you know, dual purpose, it's one thing, but it can accomplish two very different outcomes. I'll give you one of my personal favorites. You can check out this little piece of engineering genius. Anyone know what that is? Yeah, it's the spork, right? Isn't a wonderful idea? It's a, it's a spoon if you want to eat something that's not super solid, but it's also a fork uh, should you need to stab something. Um, Actually, I'm not entirely sure these sporks work very well, but it's just kind of fun to say, right? Spork, spork. Anyway, you get the point. One thing, multiple purposes. People can get pretty creative with this sort of thing, by the way. Sometimes people invent things or use things just out of necessity. You've heard the old adage, necessity is the mother of invention. Well, sometimes people can find uses for things that were never designed to be used that way originally. For example, I hope this one doesn't disturb you, I had a buddy who used to work at a golf course down in Florida, and they would take their rusty golf clubs and leave them in a bucket of Coca-Cola overnight, and they'd come back in the morning and pull up those golf clubs and voila, sparkling just like new. I don't know what that says about what we put in our bodies. I was actually telling that story to Benjamin this week, and uh, he said, yeah, like how they use Coke to clean up blood off the highways. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Multiple purposes. One thing, multiple purposes. Um, anyway, uh, I've got one more, and, uh, and I don't know if you've seen one of these babies in action, but I was having a lot of fun with this this week. This is called an ultrasonic animal repeller. Basically, it puts out a high-pitched sound at varying frequencies, uh, frequencies, easy for me to say, and its job is to ward off unwanted critters. Here's the thing. This one device is designed with a dual purpose. It's designed so that some things can hear its high-pitched noise and so that others would not hear. And I'm just going to take a moment to see if we can get this little puppy to work here. All right. Wait for it. Anybody? A couple of you can hear it? Should I put it? Oh, yeah, there we go. All right, enough of that. 
So you, you, get, you get the idea, those, uh, those frequencies designed so that some animals, some critters would, would hear and be repelled and so that others uh, would not even notice the difference. What, what's my point? Well, well, the point is this as it relates to dual purposes. We've made our way in Luke's glorious gospel to a point where we're going to begin to encounter Jesus teaching in parables. As Jesus unlocks the secrets to the kingdom of heaven for us, he often employs the use of parables in his teaching. This is something he did all the time. As a matter of fact, in the synoptic gospels, that's the the first three gospels in your Bible, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, parables make up approximately one-third of Jesus' entire teaching. And we see more parables in Luke, this gospel that we've been studying through, than anywhere else in all of the Bible, approximately 24, depending on how you count them. So because parables are such a big deal in Luke's gospel, I thought it would be appropriate today for us just to sink our teeth, sink our souls down into the purpose of these parables before we really just start rolling through them quickly. I want us to understand what it is that a parable is intended to do. And so that's our goal today. After all, Jesus makes it quite clear that there's more going on with his parables than initially meets the eye. But before we get fully immersed into the why of parables, it's probably helpful if we would take a moment to define what a parable actually is. That word parable is really just a compound word. It's two Greek words slammed together. It's the word para, which means beside or alongside. Think of a paralegal or a paraprofessional who comes alongside a lawyer or a teacher in their field to help. So para, alongside, and the word balo, which means in Greek, literally, to throw. So when you put them together, you get to throw alongside. That's exactly what a parable is. It's something that's thrown alongside something else. I like how the late Bible teacher R.C. Sproul uses the metaphor as Jesus is teaching through these spiritual truths, these, these mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. He will lay down often a spiritual truth, and then he will throw side by side one of these parallel, uh, parables excuse me, so that we can elucidate its meaning. That's often why we find Jesus saying things like, the kingdom of heaven is like, and then following it up, with a parable to describe it. Which brings us back to our point, why? Why would Jesus do this, and do this so very often? What's the purpose of Jesus' parables? Thankfully, we don't have to guess. Jesus tells us exactly what He's doing and why He's doing it as He gives these parables. And today, I'd like us to read two passages that help us get to the crux of this. I I want us to start in Luke's Gospel, in Luke 8, 9, and 10, because we see this right in our natural reading through the book of Luke. But Luke's account of the purpose of parables is like the condensed version. It's like the Reader's Digest version. Very, very short. And I want to follow that up with a passage that Matt just read a moment ago 
from Matthew 13, because Matthew and his gospel gives us the same reason, the same rationale from Jesus' mouth on why parables, but in extensive detail. Uh, and so I think it'd be helpful for us to see it in, in, in full color, if you will. So let's read together. Luke 8, 9, and 10, and then we'll zero in once more on Matthew 13. It's good to repeat God's word every once in a while. It sinks, sinks down deep. Luke 8, 9, and 10. When his disciples asked him, being Jesus, what this parable meant, he, Jesus, said, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God. But for others, they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. There's Luke's condensed version. Now we're going to spend the bulk of our remaining time on Matthew as he again gives us the same truth from Jesus just in its fuller form. So if you would, please turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew's Gospel in the 13th chapter. We'll resume working our way through Luke chapter 8 next week, but this is so important. Before we start unpacking parable after parable that we truly understand what these mechanisms in Jesus' teaching are meant for. Matthew 13, we'll begin in verse 10. This is the word of the Lord. Then the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables? Pretty straightforward question. He answered them. To you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given. For to the one who has, more will be given, and he will have in abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables. You listening? Because seeing, they do not see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. Indeed, in their case, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled that says, you will indeed hear but never understand. And you will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed, lest they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their hearts in turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, for they see, and your ears, for they hear. For truly I say to you, Many prophets and righteous people longed to see what you see and did not see it. And to hear what you hear and did not hear it. Oh man, anyone a bit surprised? I mean, just be honest. Is anyone just even a little bit taken off guard by what Jesus says here? For many of us, this is not what we expected Jesus to say when He explained His own rationale for giving parables. Here, the disciples come up to Jesus and they ask the Master point blank, hey Jesus, why are you talking like that? Why do you speak in parables? And Jesus says, oh you know, to be more accessible. That's why I do it. I do it so that I can relate better to the everyday things in your life. Things like soil and sheep. 
Things like lost coins and fig trees and wedding parties. I'm telling these stories, y'all, to make it easier for everyone to understand. You can catch the hyperbole, right? Isn't this the answer that we typically get? Or something very near that. Why is that? Why do we do this? Why does our answer about why Jesus used parables differ from His own answer? Sometimes I think it's that we feel like we need to clean up what God says. Did Jesus' words embarrass us, perhaps? Maybe we think it'd be better, perhaps more palatable, if we took Jesus' teaching and just sanded off those hard edges a little bit. Listen, friends, Jesus' disciples ask him a straightforward question, and he gives them a straightforward answer. Followers of Christ, let's make sure our answer matches his answer. Let's drill down then on what I'll call here the dual purpose of Jesus' parables. If you're taking notes, uh, this, according to Jesus, is what parables were intended to do. This is the first big idea for us. The parables were designed to conceal. Isn't that what he said? The parables were intended to conceal and to reveal. Dual purpose here. Jesus plainly tells us that his parables were not intended to have the same effect on everyone. In fact, they're intended to have the opposite effect on two different groups of people. Remember the sound machine from a minute ago? On the one hand, Jesus' parables were designed to conceal the truth, to hide it, to to veil it to those with hard hearts who had rejected Jesus. But on the other hand, His parables are intended to reveal the truth, to give more truth, more light, more clarity and revelation to those whose hearts are inclined to Him. Look with me at verse 11. We're here in Matthew 13. Matthew 13, 11. Jesus says, To you, speaking to His disciples, to you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. Now that word secrets, it's an interesting biblical word. Your translation could perhaps read the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. A a biblical secret or a biblical mystery is simply something that had been previously hidden and is now disclosed. Think of it like a birthday gift almost, right? Something that had been hidden in the closet for for many, many months. It was there, just unseen, unknown. And then on on the birthday, it gets revealed. It gets disclosed. That's That's a biblical mystery, if you will. So Jesus says, there's these secrets. There's these mysteries about the way God's kingdom works. And to you, they're given. But to them, they have not been given. Here's how Mark puts it in his Gospel. Mark 4.11 To you it's been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, he says, everything is in parables. So do you see, friends, what Jesus' parables are doing here? They're hiding the truth. At least in part. Begs the question, doesn't it? 
why? I mean, why would Jesus want to hide the truth from people? Well, keep reading. He tells us. Verse 13. Matthew 13, 13. Easy to, easy to find. Easy, easy to remember. Matthew 13, 13. This is why I speak to them in parables. Because seeing, they don't see. And hearing, they do not hear, nor do they understand. It's as if Jesus tells us, although they've seen with their physical eyes, the synapses aren't firing. I should have paid more attention in health class. The cones or the rods, weren't, aren't, they're not doing their job. Although they hear with their physical ears, the, the sound waves are crashing upon their eardrums rightly. They don't really hear what's happening. They've, they were there. They saw it. They heard it on the surface. But they had shut their ears and eyes to what's going on here. Friends, we shouldn't be that surprised by this. We see this phenomenon played out all throughout Scriptures. Let me give you just two quick examples. We could play all day here, but two quick examples. One with seeing and failing to really see, and the other with hearing and failing to really hear. We'll, we'll start with the hearing one. John 12, 28-30. This is wild. This baffles me. John 12, 28-30. Jesus is praying to His heavenly Father in John 12. And He prays, Father, glorify Your name. Then a voice came from heaven. A voice from heaven. I have glorified it and I will glorify it again. Wow. you imagine? A voice from God the Father. I, yes, I have, and I will again. Verse 29, The crowd that stood there and heard it said that it had thundered. Think about that. They heard it. They heard the noise. What they shrug it off as? Ah. Probably a physiological explanation for this. There always is some sort of empirical explanation, I'm sure. Probably just thunder, really. Do you see? Or do you hear? Hearing, but not hearing. Here's our seeing example. Acts chapter 4, verses 16 to 18. I love this passage. Jesus is risen from the grave. The, the Holy Spirit has come upon the, the disciples the apostles, and man, he's moving in power. God has, here in Acts 4, miraculously healed a man through the apostle Peter and John, and they're standing now before the Jewish council, and they are mad as horns. Let me read to you. Seeing, but fail to see, failing to see from Acts 4, 16-18, the council says of Peter and John, what shall we do with these men? For that a notable sign has been performed through them is evident to all the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But, in order that it may spread no further among the people, let us warn them to speak no more to anyone in this name. So they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. 
Are you kidding me? The leaders of the Jewish nation, the, 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 the Jewish high council, has seen with their own eyes the hand of God miraculously healing in the name of Jesus. They say, yeah, we, we can't deny it. God did that. But, because we, we need to hang on to our power and position, we're going to shut our eyes and stop our ears and ignore what God is clearly doing among us. Seeing, they do not see. Hearing, they do not hear. This is why Jesus says, back in our primary passage, Matthew 13, now verse 14, that those with unbelieving hearts who are listening to His teaching were actually, get this, actually fulfilling Old Testament prophecy from 700 years ago. Jesus reaches back to Isaiah chapter 6 and quotes from Isaiah's prophecy. We read it here in Matthew 13, 14 and 15. Indeed, Jesus said, in their case, the case of these unbelieving folks, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. That says, you will indeed hear, but never understand. You will indeed see, but never perceive. For this people's heart has grown dull. With their ears they can barely hear, and their eyes they have closed. Thus they should see with their eyes, and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and turn, and I would heal them. You see, they had hardened themselves to the truth. So what's Jesus do? Jesus pronounces judgment on them by veiling the truth with parables. Isn't that what the text says? So, let's pull up for air for just a moment. What does this mean for us today? Here we are, Washington, Pennsylvania, 2023. How do we be not just a hearer of this word, but a doer of it? We're about to encounter a whole lot of parables in Luke's Gospel here shortly. I think one fitting exhortation comes from Scripture itself. Here's a, here's a scriptural application to this text. What ought we to do? We ought to do what, what Hebrews, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 3 says. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. When Jesus speaks, God speaks. And every word that He has uttered will come to pass. Heaven and earth will pass away, Jesus said, but My word will never pass away. The Holy Spirit authored this book. This book, excuse me. Every word breathed out by God and useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness. Fathers, dads, happy Father's Day. Read your Bibles. How do we be hearers of God? Well, how do you know His voice if you've never read His words? you never heard His words? We must be men and women and children, for that matter, who are immersed in Scripture. And when we hear, what's well, a dangerous thing, church? 
to hear the words of God and to harden yourself. Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Now, I know this is heavy stuff, but um, with all the pastoral grace I can muster, I want to plead with you to remember two things as we're working our way through this difficult text. First, remember, we are reading Jesus' words. This is not my take on the parables. I mean, we're, we're reading Matthew 13. Jesus gives grace and righteous judgment. He's the king. And it is in his prerogative to do, do so. Remember, this isn't just our slant, sort of a new angle on the parables. This is Jesus' plain teaching. Remember, Jesus' words. Secondly, let's not just wallow in the hard and fail to lose sight of the blessings which are just so sweetly knit into Jesus' words here. The blessings that these parables carry. For those with eyes to see, for those with ears to hear, blessings are brimming over in and through and amongst these parables. Because according to Jesus, these same parables that conceal the truth for the hard-hearted are intended to reveal the truth to those who belong to Jesus. To those who are in Christ's kingdom. That's that dual purpose that we see from Jesus regarding these parables. Look at verse 12, if you would. Matthew 13, 12. As a result of these parables, Jesus tells us, the one who sees, the one who hears him, will see or hear even more. They'll see or hear in abundance. And the verse Immediately preceding that, Jesus tells us in verse 11, these parables are given to, quote, reveal the secrets or the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. Like how one uh, Bible commentator, R.T. Kendall, referred to the parables. He calls them family secrets. Think about that. The parables are, are sort of like Jesus' family secrets. Why? Well, they contain intimate knowledge intended for those within the family of God. It's kind of like a secret handshake that in our family, Papa, Lindsay's dad, Bruce, and many of you know Bruce, he's got, he's got a secret handshake that he shares just with our kiddos alone. He's not going through Giant Eagle giving people the secret handshake. If he does, there's a problem. It's a family thing. It's an intimate family secret just for those within the, the Thomas family. I guess it's the Kaplan family too. So ask yourself, if Jesus, through these parables, is telling us about the way His kingdom works, then what's your relationship to that same kingdom? Do you have allegiance to it? Do you have a desire, friend, to see the kingdom? Do you have a desire, do you have a hunger to learn more about the kingdom of Christ? How could you not? I mean, if you're, if you're future Christian, if your forever has been tethered to Jesus' kingdom, then what a joy 
What a delight it should be for us to dwell on and meditate, to digest and to internalize these parables from our King about the kingdom of which we are citizens. This is precisely how Jesus wraps up His teaching about the purpose of His parables in Matthew 13. Did you catch, did you catch His blessing statement? Look again, Matthew 13. Look, look at the, the last two verses here of this section. Verses 16 and 17. I hope you'll see here the blessing statement. What is quite literally a beatitude for the parables. You remember the beatitudes? In Matthew 5, in the Sermon on the Mount, blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the meek. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and and thirst for righteousness. For they, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They will see God. You need to brush up a little bit. Blessing statements. That word blessed means happy. Happy are those in Christ's kingdom who who get these parables. There's a, there's a beatitude attached to these parables. Let's, let's read it one more time. Matthew 13, 16 and 17. But blessed, happy are your eyes, for they see. Your ears, for they hear. For truly, I say to you, many prophets and righteous people long to see what you see and did not see it. To hear what you hear and did not hear it. I mean, just kind of want to stick you with a tack. You get this? This is amazing. After all, guys, who are we? Who are you? And who am I that we should see these things? Many, Jesus said, many sweet and precious saints before us longed to look on these things. And yet they were they were still hidden. Let's not squander, Friendship Community Church, the great blessing that comes through these secrets of the kingdom, these parables. May we be filled with delight as we begin in the next coming weeks as we work through Luke's Gospel to, to lean in to these kingdom principles that Jesus has given us. All right. I'd like to, to cap uh, this this teaching with two final thoughts. Um, I think it's important that we don't miss this first. That in addition to the fulfilled prophecy that we've already seen from Isaiah 6. You remember what Jesus said in verses 13 and 14? That those who reject Him, that those who fail to see and hear because of their hardness of hearts, they're fulfilling prophecy. Isaiah 6. But Matthew makes a point to tell us a second time about prophecy, almost like it's a big deal or something. He says that Jesus' decision to speak through these parables is more than just a good presentation style. It's more than just a good teaching model. Friends, it's bigger than that. Jesus' use of parables, here's the big point. Jesus' use of parables is also meant to be evidence that He is the Messiah. The One who is to come. Matthew 
13. Just later on in the passage, we see this truth echoed again. Verses 34 and 35. All these things Jesus said to the crowds in parables. Indeed, He said nothing to them without a parable. This was to fulfill. Why? Why all these parables? This was to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet. In Matthew cites Psalm 78, 1 and 2. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter what has been hidden since the foundation of the world. These parables that Jesus employs were meant to fulfill what was spoken in, in the prophecy long before. Do you see it? Jesus' parables are not just a presentation style. They're not just an effective teaching model. Nor are they pure judgment alone. It's not like Jesus just snapped one day and said, that's it! Parables and judgment for all you jokers. No. The parables were meant to point to Jesus as the fulfillment of all the Old Testament promises and prophecies. To say, that one who would, who would tell of parables from long of old, that one foretold, here he is! He's here! This is what Matthew and, and Luke are saying as they begin to air out these parables for us. In fact, Thinking about Jesus as Messiah. Luke has told us over and over and over from different angles and dimensions that Jesus is the Christ. He is the Son of Man. He is the King of Kings. And now He is the long-awaited messianic carrier of the mysteries of the kingdom. He's the One. So, you're here today. And you have not yet trusted in Jesus as your King, as your Savior, as your Master. Listen, it is entirely possible for you to be sitting here in church, listening to this bald guy go on and on and on, and not belong to Jesus. I know, because I did it for 19 years. It is entirely possible. A commitment to your family and just making it work, or... Maybe your, your kids, that was in my case, and you're just sort of dragged to church because that's what you did. Maybe it's tradition. I just want to plead with you to examine your heart on this beautiful June morning on Father's Day. Is God the Heavenly Father your Father? Because your sins, which are many, have been washed white as snow through the death of Jesus on the cross on your behalf and His resurrection from the grave. He is Lord. He is everything. As we look at His rationale for why He speaks this way, I want to plead with you to look to Him and see. To hear His words and surrender. Today, if you hear His voice, don't harden your heart. There are, of course, many, I know, here 
who have looked at Jesus, who have claimed Him as Lord and Savior, who by no good of their own, no merit of their own, have been brought from death to life by the sovereign prerogative of a gracious God and King, by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you have, Christian, seen and surrendered to your King, Jesus, then I think the application point, man, it's simple, but it's here, right? The application point for you and me is marvel. Take some time this week to marvel at the one who would unlock the secrets of the kingdom of God for you. The one who would, if I could employ the metaphor, teach even you the family handshake of the kingdom of God. Oh, His grace. All the kindness of God to give you, to give me, everyone who stands in salvation of Jesus, eyes to see these glorious truths. Which brings us to our very last point. I I think another very practical one. It is entirely possible that some of you are asking the glaring question as we're thinking about parables. So if Jesus meant the parables to hide truth from the hard-hearted and to, and to shine truth on His own, then what happens? What do I do if I'm coming to Jesus' parable and I don't really understand what's going on? Do you feel this? This is a good question. What do I do then if I come to the parables and I'm not exactly sure I understand this thing? Well, step one, don't freak out. Friend, if you don't immediately get it, welcome to the club. The disciples didn't get it, did they? Jesus, who clearly says, I'm meaning this so that you would see, says it to the ones who are supposed to see, And then, so often, after the crowds go, what do the disciples do? They come to Jesus and they're like, "Uh, yeah, so uh, Master, about that parable, we don't really get it. Which is why we see them, brace yourself, asking often. Example. Explain to us, the disciples say, the parable of the weeds later in Matthew 13, 36. Explain to us, the disciples plead to Jesus, the parable of the sower. We'll read that line next week in Luke 8, 9, Lord willing. What do you do if you come to the the secrets of the kingdom of heaven and you just don't quite get it all? Well, It wasn't as if Jesus' intention was to just give us a parable and then have us, bam, like on the spot become theological geniuses. No. The parables also show us how we're supposed to approach and access spiritual truth. How do you do it? Well, you come to Jesus asking. We don't always get it. Neither did the disciples back then. So, for those with eyes to see and ears to hear, 
we come to the source. We come to the Savior. We come to the King whose kingdom these principles are about. And we say, help. Help. The good news is, friend, that Jesus is a gracious King. And He delights to reveal His truth to His children. Hear these words of Jesus about this very principle. We, 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 we get truth and we wrestle with it and we're not exactly sure what to make of it. And, and, and so here's what we do. Luke 11, 9-13. Jesus' words to us, His people. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened. For everyone who asks, receive. And the one who seeks, finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be opened. Friends, this is how it works. The things of God are spiritually discerned. I don't care how smart you are. You don't see it unless the Holy Spirit opens your eyes. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish... Give him ha, a serpent. Come on. Or if he asks for an egg, we'll give him a scorpion. If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the, the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Wow. How do you get ears to hear? You ask, you seek, you knock, you come to Jesus asking for the Holy Spirit to lead and guide you into more truth. You know, I uh, spent a lot of time this week, probably too much time, surfing around on YouTube. I was watching videos, uh, particular type of videos, videos of people who were born without the physical ability to hear. And then, by the common grace of medical technology available today. You can watch them on these videos for the very first time. Here. And talk about a tearjerker. I may have gotten a bit misty-eyed once or twice. I want you to check this one out as we prepare to close. There are so many first moments to remember with children. Their first step, their first word. But tonight, a different kind of first a little boy about to hear his dad's voice for the first time. This is the moment so many people are talking about. Grayson Clamp, three years old, he had never heard his father before. Talk to him, Daddy. Daddy loves you. Daddy loves you. <laughs> Grayson points his finger there, hearing sound for the first time ever. Can you hear Daddy? Hear. Daddy loves you. Grayson. Oh, that's a Father's Day video for you. Little Grayson's ears, which formerly could not hear, were opened to hear the voice of his father. You know, I thought as I watched that and a few others, that's us. This is why Jesus says so very often, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. 
So that's our prayer, Friendship Community Church. That's our constant prayer. Lord, would you open the eyes of my heart? Would you give us ears to hear your truth and your grace? Let's pray that now. And then we'll sing it, Be Thou My Vision. Father, we thank you so much for the truth which you have bestowed upon us. You, in your kindness, Father, have given us access to the secrets of the kingdom of heaven. And Lord, we say thank you. Thank you that you, the perfectly heavenly Father, should should fix your love and affection on us in Christ. Lord, sober us at your warnings as they come in the parables. And help us to savor your grace. Lord, may we grow by the power of Your Spirit and our ability to see. Would You open our eyes more, God, more of You, more of the revelation of Your truth. Would You unstop our ears? Would You tune them to the the beauties of Your glorious grace? May we here at Friendship Community Church sing and mean. Would You be Thou my vision. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.